I was um, <clears throat> in my third year of teaching at King City Public School. And I should probably, after all these years, thank Sarah Hoover for getting me the job. Thank you, Sarah. She was teaching at the time. We met in the lobby, and she said, do you still have a job? No, I got this principal. He's looking for somebody. And uh, that's back when I was in my 20s. Maybe we can talk to this crowd over here, still living at home. In my third year, full-time employment. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, teaching and standing in front of the children Monday through Friday, but on the weekend, I was in the Canadian military. I was a Canadian UN peacekeeper. And I was Marty Schlager. And my children are saying, I'm hearing about this for the very first time. And Beth is like, wow, you know, I married someone in the, in the military. And um, it is like the catchphrase, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> I'm not a UN peacekeeper, but I play one on the weekend. And I was traveling with a presentation, dramatic presentation, uh, through different churches across Canada, and we were doing something with an emphasis into the Eastern Europe and Russia as they were starting to do that initiative into that area. And I was part of the dramatic presentation as a UN peacekeeper, and I would come in at the back of the auditorium, and the pastor and all the uh, uh, folks at the back there, the ushers knew that I was going to come because I was in full uniform with the light blue beret on my head, Canadian flag, and I have my... Um, duffel bag, and I come and say, excuse me, pastor, could I just have a few moments? And I would come, and I would stand, and I would talk about Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And I had about an eight-minute monologue. This morning will be a little longer than eight minutes, but there was an eight-minute monologue, and uh, with an emphasis as, as we sent these peacemakers into that part of the world. Our world today is lacking in peace, conflict, and chaos is at every turn. And as we look at history and we read through it, this is not surprising to us because it has been like this since the beginning. And if we could take our Bibles and do a two-minute walkthrough of the word peace as it goes from Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world, chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain and Abel are immediately at war with each other. And you have the Old Testament concept of peace, and how is your Hebrew this morning? You probably know the word for peace in Hebrew, shalom, shalom. And it's familiar in that priestly blessing that we say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Give you shalom. It's that wellness, that goodness that comes from the countenance of God to his people and his community within the covenant. And then you come into the New Testament, and you now come into the language of Greek, and you have the name Irene that comes from the Greek word for peace, Irene. And how many Christmas presentations have been done on this stage, and how many have I been involved in when I'm on the upstage with Rob Scott and others doing the drama, and who's over here but 
Al Tatum acting as guard, you shall not enter the choir loft, John. (laughs) You can't sing. And then you would have, back in the day, Keisha remembers, you would have all the folks in their choir robes. And they would, they would be singing and we would be acting and we would then proclaim Luke 2.14 with the angels saying to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to all men. Peace, Irene. And as we move through the New Testament, Luke chapter 2, we get into the Prince of Peace. Speaking to his disciples, and he says these words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And two chapters later, John 16, I have said these things to you that you may have Irene, peace. Two things, don't forget two things. In this world, you will have tribulation. Number two, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Then you enter into the writings of Paul and all his different letters, and you wonder where the word peace shows up in the writings of Paul. Here's your big hint. Look at the beginning of the letter in the greetings. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all over that, all his letters. Chapter one, verse two, chapter one, verse three, chapter one, verse two of all the different letters. Then look at the end of his book, at the end of his writings, and you see it in his benedictions, where he says, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, as a sample. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. When? (laughs) At all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. Which brings us now to the writings of Paul, who is writing to Galatia, and he's writing to us. And we're now in this part. We started in Genesis. We moved through the Old Testament, into the New Testament, through the words of Jesus, through the writings of Paul. And we come to him saying in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25, he says, it's in this section I want to talk to you about peace. It's embedded in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. 16 to 25 has a command. We find it in verse 16. It says, walk by the Spirit. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. It starts here in our first section, and then it's bracketed by verse 25. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. 16 and 25 bracket this section on the command to walk. Why does Paul use the word walk? Of all the verbs to choose, he chooses the word walk. And our scripture talks to us about the Christian world is a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. Blessed is the man who does not walk, Psalm 1, verse 1. It suggests that it is a one-step-by-step mode of transportation that is quite slow. But there is what? Progress nonetheless. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Now, why is walking not so easy? Verse 17 answers that question. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The command of verse 16, walk by the spirit, is followed immediately by the recognition of what? There is going to be conflict. Why? Because Paul says there's this rivals, there's two rivals. There's this flesh and there is the spirit. And it's like a boxing ring and they're in opposition to each other. And in this corner is the flesh and in this corner is the spirit. And they are opposed to each other keeping you from walking. Now, if we look at this corner over here, and the corner is the flesh. And sometimes Paul, in his writings, uses the word flesh to describe just physical body. There's nothing negative implied in that. My flesh is weak. Just, I'm, just, I'm just physically tired. But other times he uses flesh as an internal nature that talks about our sinful nature that causes us to do different thoughts and actions. And Paul is using this in the context of flesh that is the sinful nature. Now, those of you who grew up in church world like I did, sometimes the speaker just throws around different words and then you kind of get home and you talk to somebody in the car on the way home and you go, hey, what did he mean by that word? And it's the flesh. What does it mean? And so somebody gave me this great little way to explain it. And by the way, a lot of this stuff, from other people. If you liked it, it came from other people. Someone put it this way. Take the word flesh, isolate the word flesh, drop the H, read it backwards, and you have the word self. See? I didn't do that. Someone else did that. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about, self. So what... Self, like self what? Self-reliance. And implied in that is the two A's, action and achievement, with what? No dependence on the Holy Spirit. A-A-D. Action, achievement, dependence. So you have this happening here, and we're reminded of this in Scripture because we are new creations, Behold, we are created new. We are unto good works, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship. We are, but simultaneously, we are, we are righteous and we are sinful. Now, I have a question for you. When is self-reliance in control? When is self-reliance or the rival in this corner, when are they winning while we get that? And it shows up in verses 19 to 21, and that is the deeds or the works of the flesh. And we have it there starting in verse 9. They're evident. <laughs> They're obvious. Just ask your family, someone close to you, someone who works with you. They're obvious as you begin to, to lean into that. So there's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And these are the list of things that destroy relationships in a devastating way. And if you look at it at a broad level, 
you look at that list, and it's exactly that. It is a list of things that are done in the flesh. Now, not everyone does them all the time at every, uh, every time they do it. You can choose from the list. It's not exhaustive. That's because Paul even adds, and all these things. Translation, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on. In contrast to that, we have the fruit of the Spirit. We pick that up in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these virtues don't come, now I want you to, don't miss this, they don't come as an isolated, side-by-side, work your way through, you get to choose from them. This week I'm going to work on the virtue of love. Sorry, gentleness is next week. Just working on love today. No, no. I want you to think of it like a, like a bouquet of flowers. You have these little buds. They're sprouts of love and joy and peace. And it's growing. And as you mature in your relationship with Christ, it, it, you see them beginning to grow into full bloom as you give the Holy Spirit that control and he grows them and they're expanded into full bloom and they're on display for others to see. <clears throat> Just a little word about uh, as we mature. Sometimes we get discouraged about the progress we're making, making and this is one of those little word pictures someone gave me that might be helpful when we think about how we grow in our character, I want you to think of a yo-yo. That's right, a yo-yo that it goes up and down, up and down. And that seems like today I'm having a bad day. But last week I had a great day. And so you get discouraged as you look at where you are in your sense of maturity and you get discouraged. But the idea is that it is a yo-yo in the hand of somebody who is actually climbing up a set of stairs and you are continually making progress. And don't look at your life in minute by minute, look at it, the trajectory of the last year, of the last three years, the last five years, as you grow in that, as the buds begin to grow in this bouquet of character. There is a way to manufacture the fruit of the spirit of peace. And you isolate it and it comes out as cynicism and apathy. But you are fairly cool and peaceful in that situation at the expense of all the other different fruits of the Spirit. And as you manufacture that, it's very clearly seen because there isn't the other display of the rest of them. And the Holy Spirit is putting them all on display and you get a sense that there's this symmetry to them as they grow. But the concept of peace can be thought of in threefold ways. I want you to pay attention to the preposition with, W-I-T-H. We have peace with God, we have peace within, and we have peace with others. Number one, we have peace with God. This is the foundation. 
We were his enemies. We were under judgment. We were under wrath. We have been reconciled to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about that. We are now reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ who has won that for us. We, no long, we are no longer at war with God and he with us. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 actually says the words peace with God. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have Irene, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That peace with God makes it possible for us to have peace within. Peace within. It's not an absence, just merely an absence of anxiety, but it's more a tranquility of heart and mind. And it's this peace that leads us to take an initiative to work through relationships towards healing and restoration when there is a strained or broken relationship as we have peace now with others. Romans 12:18. if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. Now, the focus of our time this morning is on peace within. Peace within. Now, I want us to do a little activity. I want you to go ahead and take the, the uh, hymnal from the little rack in front of you. Albert Tatum would be proud. We're grabbing the hymnal today. Grab that hymnal and turn to page 494 in your hymnals, please. I'm leading them in worship, Albert. <laughs> we had a great celebration of life for Albert Tatum in this very space. Like a river glorious... In your hymnal, 494. Anybody under the age of whatever, 20, this is called a hymnal. (laughs) It's not what you doodle on during church with a little piece of paper. Peace within. Not a surge of worry not a shade of care, I'm in the second verse, not a blast of hurry. And as you sang that this morning, not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry, did you nudge yourself or the person next to you probably should have nudged you and said, yeah, right, all the worry, all the care, all the hurry, then what was last week at 4 a.m. all about? As believers, we're certainly not immune to the troubles of life. We aren't promised an easy road. We're reminded of what we read from John 16, 33. Anxiety, fear, and worry are familiar words in our day. And I just pause to say I have deep compassion for those who wrestle particularly with anxiety, as more and more we're hearing about that extreme anxiety in the form of panic attack. The communal level of lack of peace in this room, unspoken, is very much present with us today. There is much that comes to destabilize us. Those unwelcome circumstances that impact our sense of peace. And we find ourselves asking three questions. Question number one, why this? Why me? Why now? 
The good news is we're not the first people to ask those three questions. Thank you for reading Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Would you turn to that section of Scripture? Mark 4, 35 to 41. We have the disciples. They're in a boat. Jesus' idea to say, let's go to the other side. They're in the middle of a storm, and they're asking, why this? Why me? Why now? Mark, the second gospel, the purpose that Mark wrote his gospel is stated in chapter 1, verse 1. This is the gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have an event that captures that for us. We have the humanity of Jesus, and we have the divinity of Jesus all in one event. And there's a storm with strong winds and waves that puts the disciples in a position to learn a lesson And what is that lesson they're supposed to learn? To use the language, spoiler alert, let's jump to verse 40. He said to them, bracket, this is why we're out here and this is the lesson I want you to learn. It is a faith lesson. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Jesus wants to communicate to the disciples two truths. The purpose of the gospel of Mark. He is both man and he is God. Number one, disciples, do you understand my deity? It's going to be expressed in my power over my own creation. Number two, it's going to be my care in protecting you from the storm. My deity and my care. Verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Jesus' idea, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waters were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. (laughs) This is, I'm just thirsty, this has nothing to do with the water theme. (laughs) I I did (laughs) hear of a story about some folks from um, the Bible Belt in America who had been on a trip to the Sea of Galilee, (laughs) and they took their bottled water and they poured it on the deck of the ship boat. Look, I'm walking on water on the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) While you laugh, I'll drink. (laughs) Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? It's dark. Verse 35 talked about it being in the evening. There are strong waves. There are strong and big uh, winds. There's panic. There's pandemonium. And they're yelling to be heard over the loud storm to Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus is asleep. Again, great event to show both his Deity and his humanity. He's tired. He's sleeping. 
Now, can we just pause for just a second? Because I think you've stopped listening. Because you're stuck on the first part of verse 38. Because this is one of our greatest fears. It's perhaps one of your greatest fears, and it's one of my greatest fears. That Jesus is asleep. And some of you are saying, this is my current situation. I'm not finding God to be very responsive right now. I'm in trouble. And Jesus is asleep. Jesus, I'm in the storm here. This is a health storm. This is a relationship storm. This is a financial storm. This is a job storm. This is there's something happening in my family, my extended family storm. And Jesus, you're sleeping and I'm finding you very unresponsible at this moment. (laughs) The good news is, and I believe that's why we have this event captured in our scriptures today, is that the disciples who are drowning are a few meters away from Jesus who is with them in the flesh, and Jesus is actually sleeping. And it's there for us today to say, I am going to do something for you that's going to stretch your faith in who I am and what I will do for you. So you're not alone. I'm not alone. In the midst of that storm, the what of the storm, the crashing waves, the strong wind, all in the midst of the what that causes us causes them fear. There are the what's in our storms right now that are causing us to fear. And it is the who in the midst of that storm who says, I want you to look at me. Verse 39, and he awoke and he rebuked the winds and said to the sea, can you, he said to the sea, Irene, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Verse 40, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And now there's this fear transfer. And they were filled with great fear. Before there was fear of the storm. Now there's great fear. And said to one another a rhetorical question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Look at what happened there. Their focus of the disciples went from the what of the storm to the who, the person who could actually control the storm. The person that (laughs) demands our respect and our awe, the one who calms the storms in our life. And someone captured it this way, (laughs) a someone replaced a something. Capital S, someone replaced a something. And when their faith is in someone and that faith in the someone exceeds their faith in the fear of something, fear has lost its grip. 
Now, <laughs> I get the microphone this morning, and I say to you, don't just take my word for it. I just can't simply just say that. The Word of God continues on the theme, Philippians chapter 4, very familiar passage. Would you turn there, please? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the Apostle Paul says it this way, in this idea of the something and the someone. And he says it this way. He says, do not be anxious about anything. There's your thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's your someone. 6a of the verse, you have the anything. You could also throw in there the everything, but in everything. So you have thing, thing, the something. And now you have into the someone. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not the circumstances, not the things, but in the who, Jesus. If we look at those two verses together, and you have the, the dynamic of the three major themes there, you have anxiety or anxious, you have prayer, and you have peace. And you could simply say, stop doing this, do not be anxious, do a lot more of this, pray more, pray not general, pray specifically, supplication, supplication, making your what, very specific, make your requests to God. Obviously, you're, this is happening because you're not doing enough of this, and if you do that, then all of a sudden the peace is going to come. This is not me to come to you this morning and chide you to say, you just need to pray more. You just need to pray more. This is the means by which this anxiety is going to start to be reduced comes from what? Prayer. Let me stand over here and say, okay, over here, the peace of God is going to guard how are we going to guard the heart and the mind so that the anxiety is lessened? That's going to come through not more and more. It's going to be coming by the means. As you, It's like, come here, and I'll feed you. It's in the coming to you're actually going to feed. Exercise more, and you're going to get stronger. As you are leaning into the someone and trusting that he is the one who is in control of that situation that is going to begin to reduce the stress in your life and in my life. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which guards what? Your hearts, your within peace, guards your heart and your mind During the opening of the Second World War, one of the first evidences of hostility was the sinking of oil tankers off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. And the enemy had decided that if they could cut off and stop the flow and supply of oil into Europe, 
they could maybe win the war earlier. And so these oil tankers became the target of torpedoes. And several were lost before someone discovered and devised a plan that on every new tanker that was going out, oil tanker, they would install a very large and heavy air compressor. And the way it worked was when a torpedo hit and ripped open the bulkhead, the air compressor would immediately send and pump air into that section of the bulwark, and it would push out, and the pressure of that actual air would keep the water out long enough to get the tanker to the nearest port and repair it. The pressure from within was able to be stronger than the pressure from without. And it is in that guard your heart and mind. It's the garrison. It's in, it's in that that we actually are pushing back and it's going to lean into as we pray and hold it back and push it. And we do that in community. We ask people to come and pray for us and bring our requests and let them be known to other people. And I believe we could take the time today, Pastor Kevin's not here, have people stand up and tell their story about how they sensed the peace of God in the midst of their storm. And that's reflected in the back of your bulletin in your peace quotient. Asking the question as we do along the way, what is your peace quotient? Pastor Kevin had us do that the first two weeks on love and joy. I find myself feeling anxious about blank when I blank. I have experienced the peace of God guarding my heart and my mind through prayer. Sometimes I make exceptions in not being willing to pursue peace. I have sensed peace in the midst of pain, uncertainty, and unwelcome circumstances. To be a more peaceful person, I choose. Remember, it's easy to have the microphone this morning. But in the midst of the storm, the things of life, we want to replace that and take it to the one who actually controls the storm. And he promises that. Cast all your anxiety on me. Why? Because I care for you. I care for you. Thank you.